Las Vegas. Are you between a rock and a hard place? Are you not sure if you're a sinner or a saint? Do you think you've lost your salvation? Let me take you to the New King James Version. In the book of Matthew, chapter 18, verses 12 through 14, and Jesus says, What do you think if a man has a hundred sheep and one of them goes astray? Does he not leave the ninety-nine and go to the mountains to seek the one that is strained? And if he should find it, assuredly, I say to you, he rejoices more over that sheep than over the 99 that did not go astray. Welcome to Save the Lost at All Costs. Hosted by Save the Lost at All Costs, Inc. Featuring your sister in Christ and humble servant of the Lord, Nina S. Griffin. Good afternoon. You're listening to Sister Nina S. Griffin, and we are on Save the Lost at All Costs. We're going to open up the phone lines right away. If you're local, you'll dial 702-650-5588. Again, local, you will dial 702-650-5588. We'd love to hear from you. Have a praise report. Like to join in our discussion today. Have a prayer request. We'd love to hear from you. Also, if you're calling outside the Las Vegas area, we do have a toll-free number for you. That would be 800-366-8883. Again, to join in on our discussion today, please dial 800-366-8883 if you're calling outside the Las Vegas area. We are being streamed live in real time over KKVV's website, and that's audio and video. And that website address would be www dot kkvv.com hello and god bless i just wave to you and we're also being streamed live from save the lost at all costs website and our website address is www.savethelostlv.org if you have missed any of our previous broadcasts please go to the website again www.savethelostlv.org click on the date that you like to listen to or there are so many dates that you can choose from as the Spirit leads you and get blessed. The gospel is always free on our watch. In addition to that, we are being archived on iTunes. So you can listen to us if you have an Apple device. Again, the gospel is free on our watch. If you have a cell phone, I strongly encourage you to write down this number and program it into your phone. You can listen to KKVV Christian Talk Radio anytime that you like. And you can listen right now. And that number would be 563-999-3194. Again, that number would be 563-999-3194. It would be one of the best phone contacts that you ever have. And guess what? You can listen anytime and be encouraged. Amen? So now that we've got that out of the way, we are going to be talking about Locust and restoration. And we're going to be looking at the prophet Joel and we're going to be going to Joel chapter 2. So again, we're going to be talking about locust and restoration. And we're going to get right into it. But I want to give you a little background on uh, Joel and, you know, what you're about to listen to. And I pray that you open up your hearts and your mind and you probably find yourself uh, in what uh, the Lord has for you today. And I want you to stay encouraged and definitely be prayerful and watchful because 
This is a foretaste of what is to come. Amen? So open up your hearts and minds and conduct yourself accordingly. The Word of God is speaking to you. So let's get into it. Now, I'm using my study Bible, and I am in uh, have a King James Version, so I'd like to read you something that comes out of the study Bible. It says, We know very little about Joel, only that he was a prophet, and the son of Petuel, that's P-E-T-H-U-E-L. He may have lived in Jerusalem because his audience was Judah, the southern kingdom. Whoever he was, Joel speaks fortrightly and forcefully in this short and powerful book. His message is one of foreboding and warning, but it is also filled with hope. Joel states that our creator, the omnipotent judge, is also merciful and wants to bless all those who trust him. Joel begins by describing a terrible plague of locusts that covers the land and devours the crops. The devastation wrought by these creatures is but a foretaste of the coming judgment of God, the day of the Lord. Joel therefore urges the people to turn from their sin and turn back to God, woven into this message of judgment and the need for repentance is an affirmation of God's kindness and the blessings he promises for all who follow him. In fact, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And we'll find that in Joel 2 verse 32. As you read Joel, watch, excuse me, as you read Joel catch his vision of the power and might of God and of God's ultimate judgment of sin. Choose to follow, obey, and worship God alone as your sovereign Lord. Okay? So, we are going to get into chapter 2. And chapter 2 has... Looks like 32 verses. But we're going to break that down. So we're going to look at um, the first 11, and then we'll have a discussion, and we'll move on. Amen? So, again, I'm in Joel chapter 2, and I am in the New King James Version. And the Word of God says this, verse 1, Blow the trumpet in Zion, and sound an alarm in my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants... Of the land tremble, for the day of the Lord is coming, for it is at hand. Verse 2. <coughs> Excuse me. A day of darkness and gloominess, a day of clouds and thick darkness, like the morning cloud spread over the mountains, a people come great and strong, the like of whom have never been, nor will there ever be any such after them, even for many successive generations. 3. A fire devours before them, and behind them a flame burns. The land is like the Garden of Eden before them, and behind them a desolate wilderness. Surely nothing shall escape them. 4. Their appearance is like the appearance of horses, and swift And like swift steeds, so they run. Verse 5. With a noise like chariots over mountaintops, they leap. Like the noise of a flaming fire that devours the stubble. Like a strong people set in battle array. 6. Before them the people writhe in pain. And faces are drained of color. 7. 
They run like mighty men. They climb the wall like men of war. Everyone marches in formation, and they do not break ranks. Eight, they do not push one another. Everyone marches in his own column. Though they lunge between the weapons, they are not cut down. Nine, they run to and fro. In the city, they run on the wall. They climb into the houses. They enter at the windows like a thief. Ten, the earth quakes before them. The heaven tremble, and the sun and the moon grow dark, and the stars diminish their brightness. Eleven, the Lord gives voice before His army, for His camp is very great. For strong is the one who executes His word. For the day of the Lord is great and very terrible. Who can endure it? Well, if that doesn't get your attention, I don't know what will. So let's start breaking down what we have <clears throat> just read and listened to, and um, get your hearts and minds ready to receive what the Word of God has for you. Now, when we see verse 1, it talks about blow the trumpet in Zion and sound an alarm in my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble for the day of the Lord is coming for it is at hand. Now, the trumpet is used primarily for religious purposes and it's used to call a congregation together for meetings uh, to usher in the beginning of the month and to note solemn days and festive occasions. So the people are very familiar with that sound. And it's also used to warn of danger. And what is used is a ram's horn. So people listening to the prophet speak. They're very aware of the trumpet. And what it's used for. <coughs> now. It says. The day of the Lord. And I have uh, spoke with you uh, not too long ago when we talked about uh, Maranatha, you know, and you have to understand that that's what you want. You know, you want the day of the Lord to come. You know, the Lord is coming and he's coming quickly. You want that to happen because um, who does not want our Lord and Savior to come and to set things right? And it's part of fulfilling of the prophecy you know, if the Lord said it, it's going to happen. And we have already been given the keys to the kingdom that we know how to conduct ourselves. We know what the word says. We know God's expectation of us. So this should not catch anybody by surprise that judgment is coming. And it's coming quickly. So you have a great opportunity to partake in repentance. So, you know, we're going to get down to that, but you should not be afraid to the point where you cannot get up and get in line. Because he's a merciful God. He's a loving God. He's a true God. But as true and loving as merciful he is, you need to fear him with every fiber of your body. Because he has no tolerance for that that is against him. It will be cut down. There was nothing that will stand between God and his kingdom. 
And we need to be very clear on that. That's not anything to play with. You're going to have to make a decision on who and what you stand for. Because God is very clear what he represents, righteousness. There's no some righteousness. There is his righteousness. We have to be very clear on that. So it's telling you right here clearly. Calling all the people, not some of the people. There will be people of the porch and people of the altar. The people of the porch are the general assembly. The people of the altar are the ones that do the work of the Lord. Those are your priests. Those are your ministers. Those are your pastors. Your evangelists. Your preachers and your teachers. So, everybody. He's asking everyone to come. So, now... And the reason why it says for the day of the Lord is coming for it is at hand. It is upon us. It is upon us now. Even in the season called now in this age, it is upon us. Verse 2 talks about the, the darkness and the gloominess and how thick it's going to be. And it's going to spread over all the mountains. Well, you can imagine the tallest mountains that we have. It's going to cover them. And that's always associated with a judgment. And it talks about stars falling from heaven. And that the powers of heaven will be shaken. We see this in the word of God. It talks about those type of things. And the sun will be darkened. And the moon will not be able to give off her light. I want you to to get that in your spirit. That that's how dark it's going to be. The moon will not be able to give off any light. Wow. And when you don't have any light... You can imagine how dark it's really going to be. Now it talks about a people come great and strong like of whom have never been and nor will there ever be in any such after them and for many successive generations. It's like a people. Hmm. It's talking about The locusts. And the locusts are going to be so plentiful that they're going to be like a consuming fire. They will devour everything that is green. Grass, herbs, leaves of the tree. The same thing a fire does. It will obliterated it won't be anything left they will take every drop of moisture from every area 
And it will look as if a fire has been there. Now, they have the ability to do this. And if you think about how beautiful and lush the Garden of Eden was and how it was described in Genesis, well, the Garden of Eden would resemble this as if a fire had been through it. And it's the locusts. And they leave a desolate wilderness. Devour everything. Every fruit. Every seed. Every vineyard. Trees would be stripped down to their very bark. It's for real. And it says how strong they are and how great they are. And verse 3, it says, A fire devours before them, and behind them a flame burns. The land is like the Garden of Eden before them, and behind them a desolate wilderness. Surely nothing shall escape them. These locusts. It says, For their appearance is like the appearance of horses. Like swift steeds they run with the noise like chariots. That's verse 5. Over mountaintops they leap. Like the noise of a flaming fire they devour the stubble like a strong people set in battle array. They are like an army. They are precision. You have to understand horses at this particular time were not domesticated. A horse was a weapon of war. One of the most fiercest weapons they were. So you have to understand this. And the people understood what the prophet Joel was explaining when he called them as horses and how swift they were. And that they leaped It says over mountain tops they leaped. So these locusts are moving as a unit, as a, you know, as precision. It's millions upon millions of them. And they devour everything and they're strong. And they're set in a battle array. When you look at a battle, you will see how the regiments line up. And the first regiment, then after the first, there's a second, there's a third, there's a fourth, there's a fifth, there's a sixth. There's endless regiments ready to go in after the first, after the second, after the third, after the fourth. They keep coming for as far as your eye can see. Now, we see how the people are going to react when we go into verse 6. It says, Before them the people writh in pain, and faces are drained of color. When a person has that much fear in them, they go white as a sheet. 
That's just how serious it is. The color will be leaving their faces. It's just utter terror and fear. Their minds and their hearts can't even process it. It will cause many to probably drop dead of a heart attack. It's too overwhelming. Stuck. Unable to move. Just the mere look of it causes all the color to drain out of their faces. And we look at seven. It says they run like mighty men. They climb the wall like men of war. Everyone marches in formation and they do not break ranks. These are the locusts. It says they climb walls like men of war. Every one of them marches in a formation. They do not break ranks. Eight, they do not push one another. Everyone marches in his own column. Though they lunge between the weapons, they are not cut down. Nine, they run to and fro in the city. They run on the wall. They climb into the houses. They enter at the windows like a thief. This happened in Egypt. They couldn't seal their windows good enough. There was no place that the locusts couldn't get into. And we see here the same. They're in everywhere. There's no place that's safe. Ten, the earth quakes before them. The heaven trembles. The sun and moon grow dark. And the stars diminish their brightness. Ah. But verse 11. What does it say? The Lord gives voice before his army. For his camp is very great. For strong is the one who executes his word. For the day of the Lord is great and very terrible. Who can endure it? The Lord is commanding. These locusts do not operate on their own. They are part of the day of judgment. You have to understand that. Part of the day of judgment. And this can be called in any season that God sees fit. Because no man knows the hour or the time. You won't have an opportunity to prepare. We must be prepared. We must really understand that judgment is coming for us all. What are we to do? 
Let's keep reading. Verse 12. Now therefore, says the Lord, turn to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning. 13. So rend your heart and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness, and he relents from doing harm. 14. Who knows if he will turn and relent and leave a blessing behind him, a grain offering and a drink offering for the Lord your God. The prophet is telling them. It says, 12, now therefore, says the Lord, turn to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning. Those are outward appearances of sorrow. The fasting, the weeping, and the mourning. But 13, here it is. It says, so rend your heart and not your garments. Garments were torn as a sign of mourning. But the thing is, is we are to turn over our hearts, not some of our hearts, all our hearts, to Him. And return to Him. And the thing is that we still have time in a season called now. Right now, we have a great opportunity to return to Him. I don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. But right here and right now, we have a great opportunity. Because destruction is soon. And it's going to be upon us. As if we can see right here, it was upon them. We don't know when our lives are going to end. And we shouldn't concern ourselves with that. See, our Lord and Savior can bring us back to life. And his word said that he will. Just like he brought Lazarus back. Just like he brought himself back. He can bring us back. That's the beautiful thing when we're in relationship with him. He can wake us up. And he will. Because it says so in the word of God. That's for sure. But. You know. Do you want the resurrection of life? Or do you want the resurrection of condemnation? We have to decide. And we make that decision now. In turning back to the Lord. In giving all ourselves. See there's that outward thing. But what about that inward thing? Because God knows our hearts. It's no point in. Fasting and weeping and mourning. If you're doing it for show. You're not fooling anybody. Especially not the Lord. Because you'll have to give an account for what you do and what you don't do. You know, can you imagine the prophet Joel having to deliver this 
Oh, he was pleading with them. Just to be able to deliver something like that. It took all that he had. And I pray in the name of Jesus that he convinces you to believe that this is real and not waste our opportunity to turn to him. That is our Lord and Savior that died for all of our sins so that we may have eternal life and that we may partake in the gift of repentance and enjoy the resurrection of life and not be a part of the resurrection of damnation because we all will be awakened. And we all will be judged in the last day. So we should not let anything hinder us from turning to the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you don't get anything else out of it, get this. You have a choice. The Lord will perform his word. You ought not to doubt that. It will come to pass. And if you're listening right now, you can't act like you didn't know. You've been told. This comes directly from the word of God. I'm just a vessel. I'm just a tool used by the kingdom of God. But you can't act like you don't know. You know. And to start back with verse 13 in Joel chapter 2. So rend your hearts and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God. For he is gracious and merciful. Slow to anger and of great kindness. And he relents from doing harm. 14. Who knows if he will turn and relent and leave a blessing behind him. A grain offering. A drink offering. For the Lord your God. 15. It says, Blow the trumpet in Zion. Consecrate a fast. Call a sacred assembly. Now we saw in verse 1, it talked about blowing the trumpet. Zion is also used to denote churches. It says consecrate a fast. This is when the men and women of God come in. It says call a sacred assembly. So this is when the men and women of God are moving. It says 16. Gather the people. Sanctify the congregation, assemble the elders, gather the children and nursing babies. Let the bridegroom go out from his chamber and the bride from her dressing room. Men and women of God, this should mean something to you. Those who are senior pastors and pastors who are leading and shepherding God's people. 
I encourage you to call the sacred assembly to get the people together so that they can get their hearts and minds together. Preach to them. Teach to them. Encourage them that God is real and that his word is real. We have an obligation, a duty, and an honor to tell people of God's word so that they can have life. And that it doesn't have to end. That this body is supposed to die. Yes, this body. Because it is in a sinful world. And it was born into sin. But there's a step beyond death. Because glorification will come when we stand before our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We must tell the people. That sin will put you in a position to be separated from God. And that only the Lord Jesus Christ can forgive us of our sins. Because he's the one that died for them. It's important that we teach about judgment. That we preach about it. It's real. God has his requirements. And there's nothing that we should be leaving out. Because when we leave it out, or we diminish it, or we don't speak about it that often, we are not properly preparing the people. And if you care for the sheep, which are God's sheep like you say you do, then you must have them properly prepared. And they should understand Joel. Because it's true. And it's real. 17, it says, Let the priests who minister to the Lord weep between the porch and the altar. Let them say, spare your people, O Lord, and do not give your heritage to reproach, that the nation should rule over them. Why should they say among the people, where is their God? It's important that we train up these children in the way that they should go. It's important. We do not know how long we're going to be able to minister and serve. In this realm. Because we don't know the day or the hour. When we are going to be called home. So we should not be. Spending all our time. In rituals. And programs. And fundraisers. And anniversaries. No souls are on the line here. And we need to get back to the soul saving business. And that is preparing people to receive the word of God and to be doers and hearers of the word of God. We have to give an account for that that we do too. No one who does the work of God is 
protected other than by what they do for Christ. So, the standard has been set and we need to follow it. Now, let's continue with our reading here. Again, we're in Joel chapter 2. And I'm reading out of the New King James Version. And we're talking about restoration and locusts today. Amen? So, we are going to uh, take the call. And then we're going to get back to it. Amen? Hello, you on Save the Lost at All Costs. And God bless. Hey, Minister Griffin. This is Minister Otis Wells. I just want to give you a word of encouragement today. I mean, you're right on point and you're right on message. Don't have much to say. Just want to say to you, continue to lift up the name of Jesus and preach the word. And that's what he calls for us to do, to save those that are lost. Amen. God bless you. God bless you, too. And you know I love you. And how is uh, Mrs. Wells doing? She's doing great. And we're awesome. And God is doing some great things in our lives. And we 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 are we in the business of doing what God asks us to do. You know, Amen. we just want to be obedient to the Spirit of God and God itself. You know, and this is what it's going to take is to bring the people back to God and let them know they have left their first love, which is God. But I just love what you're saying today. I'm listening to you today, and I uh, just feeding my spirit today. And uh, thank God for you. Well, I appreciate that. You know, I love you both dearly, and. May I ask for a picture of that wonderful grandchild? <laughs> I will. I'll send you one. Well, I appreciate okay? that. All right. I well, thank you. you. All right. Love God you. Bless. God bless you, you more. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Amen. Well, thank you, man of God, prophet. We love that. And it's so wonderful to see that the Lord is still blessing us and we're still birthing babies and in a season called now, but we, we have a great obligation to teach them. And we need to teach them well. So, verse 18. Then the Lord will be zealous for his land and pity his people. Verse 19. The Lord will answer and say to his people, Behold, I will send you grain and new wine and oil, and you will be satisfied by them. I will no longer make you a reproach among the nations. 20. But I will remove far from you the northern army and will drive him away in a barren and desolate land with his face towards the eastern sea and his back towards the western sea his stench will come up and his foul odor will rise because he has done monstrous things 21 fear not O land but be glad and rejoice for the lord has done marvelous things 22 do not be afraid you beast of the field for the open pastures are springing up, and the trees bear its fruit. The fig tree and the vineyard field their strength. 23. Be glad then, your children of Zion, and rejoice in the Lord your God, for he has given you the former rain faithfully, and he will cause the rain to come down for you, the former rain, and the latter rain in the first month. 24. The threshing floors shall be full of wheat, And the vats shall overflow with the new wine and oil. 25. So I will restore to you the years that the swarming locusts have eaten. The crawling locusts, the consuming locusts, and the chewing locusts. My great army which I sent among you. You shall eat in plenty and be satisfied. 
That was verse 26. Let me say it again. Verse 26. You shall eat in plenty and be satisfied and praise the name of the Lord your God, whom has dealt wondrously with you. And my people shall never be put to shame. 27. Then you shall know that I am in the midst of Israel. I am the Lord your God and there is no other. My people shall never be put to shame. Wow. <clears throat> you see the type of God we serve. He's a loving God. Full of grace and mercy. And he will put down that that comes against us. When our hearts have returned to him. It requires something. See, repentance. If you really want the fullness of the Lord. And to be able to withstand. That that has to come to pass. You will be able to withstand Adversity, calamity, because you are a true reflection of Him. And you can't get that until your heart is truly His heart. We have a choice to give it. And we should not give it because things are comfortable. We need to be able to give in the most uncomfortable situations. In the situations when it's so dark, we don't know which way to go. When the only audible voice that we hear, audible voice we hear, are tears. It's the sound of tears falling. Down your face. That's the sound that you hear. Because it has gotten like that for you. It's your faith that is required. And you have to trust and believe. That God is who he says he is. And he's going to do what he says he's going to do. And you don't have to fear death or calamity or peril. Nakedness. Financial issues. Health issues. When you are truly with the Lord. It will not kill you. This body is going to die anyway. It's the soul that prospers. It's the soul that's going to live. And you will get a new body. Because there's still a process of glorification. And when you're in his presence, you will be glorified. But we got to stop hedging our bets. We have to stop paying lip service. We have to stop living life as rituals. Checking things off the list. Acting as a form of godliness. Our Savior did not go to the cross because he had committed a sin. He went to the cross on our behalf because he loved us. 
whether we loved him or not. He wants everyone to have the gift of salvation. Because that's what kind of Lord he is. Now we have to decide. If we believe. His word. It comes down to that. And believing his word is recognizing the gifts that he has here for us. Repentance is not about saying sorry. Because you got caught. Repentance is about turning from that thing. That caused you to be separated from God. Because when you commit sin, you commit sin against him. That's who you sin against. He created you. You create sin against yourself. He gave you you as a gift. With gifts. And talents. And a future. And a destiny. And a name. And a family. He created you to be eternal. To have fellowship with him. To worship him. Everything we do is a form of worship. And there's worship that is suitable. And there's worship that is unsuitable. See at this point. Reading my study Bible. It says in reference to Job. 2.18, Joel reached a turning point in his message, moving from prophesying about an outpouring of God's judgment to prophesying about an outpouring of God's forgiveness and blessing. But this would come only if the people began to live as God wanted them to, giving up their sins. Where there is repentance, there is hope. This section of the book inspires That hope, without it, Joel's prophecy could bring only despair. This promise of forgiveness should have encouraged the people to repent. In Joel 2 verse 20, the study Bible says, Joel foresaw the invasion from the north by the armies of Assyria and Babylon, typified by the locusts. See, the locusts usually come from the south, but that that is invading comes from the north. And that's where Assyria and Babylon always came from the north. And you remember, there were two kingdoms. First, they were together. Then they split. And you had the northern kingdom and you had the southern kingdom. Both kingdoms got taken into captivity. The southern kingdom went in last because that was the kingdom where there were only good kings. The northern kingdom didn't have good kings. However, everyone got taken into captivity. But it's about those who repent and get in right standing What our Savior. He's coming. He's coming again. And he's coming to judge. That's what he's coming for. 
has to happen. Because it has to be determined who will go with him and who will not. Who will be the wheat? Who will be the tares? It has to happen. Now it says in Joel 2.21 in the study Bible, Joel contrasts the fear of God's judgment in Joel 2.1 with the joy of God's intervention in 2.21. On the day of the Lord, sin will bring judgment and only God's forgiveness will bring rejoicing. Unless you repent, your sin will result in punishment. Let God intervene in your life. Then you will be able to rejoice in that day because you will have nothing to fear. Before there were fasting, plagues, and funerals, then there will be feasting, harvesting, and songs of praise. When God rules, his restoration will be complete. In the meantime, we must remember that God does not promise that all his followers will be prosperous now. When God pardons, he restores our relationship with him. But this does not guarantee individual wealth. Instead, God promises to meet the deepest needs of those who love him by loving us, forgiving us, and giving us purpose in life, and giving us a caring Christian community. Wealth has nothing to do with God's forgiveness. You can't buy it. Some of us know. If we're really honest, we are guilty as charged and we should not be here based on our actions. But with God's forgiveness, his gift of repentance, his gift of restoration, we will get that, that the locusts ate. And there were four types of locusts. It said it was a crawling locust, a consuming locust, a swarming locust. A chewing locust. Can you imagine swarming, crawling, consuming, and chewing locusts that have eaten our lives? That we chose to be separated from God. Only God can bring that back. Can you imagine what you must look like in your soul? See, he sees our soul. He sees our hearts. We're busy working on the body. A lot of us. And we're not doing any soul work. That's the part that's internal. That's the part that's going to spend eternity with God. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't care for your body. But this house will fold. This tent will be never more. And it's coming a lot sooner than later. Verse 28 And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. 29. And also of my men servants and of my maid servants. I will pour out my spirit in those days. 30. And I will show wonders in the heavens and in the earth. Blood and fire and pillars of smoke. 31. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. 32. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. 
For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem there shall be deliverance, as the Lord has said, among the remnant whom the Lord calls. You have a great opportunity here. And it said the day of the Lord is used here as God's appointed time to judge the nations. Judgment and mercy go hand in hand. Joel has said that if the people repented, the Lord would save them from judgment. In this day of judgment and catastrophe, therefore some will be saved. God's intention is not to destroy, but to heal and to save. However, we must accept his salvation or we will certainly perish with the unrepentant. You want to go the way of the locusts or do you want to go the way of restoration? Joel 2 makes it very plain. I've been talking about repentance a lot lately. God has put it in my spirit and he's put it in my heart. And we'll probably be on it for a while. It's the thing that becomes transforming. It's the gift that will come down to the point Of what did you live your life for? When you go in the cemetery, you'll see a sunrise and you'll see a sunset. But there's something right in the middle. It's called a dash. That represents your life. And I'm encouraging you today, men and women of God, not to waste your dash. And we need to get into right fellowship. With the Lord. And that is only going to come through repentance. We need that. If we're going to see him. We need to turn from that thing. That has kept us so separated. God is very clear. As to those things. That are an abomination to him. It's in his word. But I encourage you. To seek out. God's word with the men and women of God that he has placed here to preach to you, to teach you, to show you what God is really saying that will exegete God's word and not give you their opinion. It's important. Don't let anybody steal your inheritance. Not now. We love you and God bless. Save the lost at all costs. It is our humble prayer that the Most High God of all creation and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ continues to bless you and yours without cease for tuning in today and supporting this great move of God with your generous donations. Save the Lost at All Costs is a Holy Spirit filled, live called in weekly radio ministry that has been airing since 2005 and serving in the greater Las Vegas community. We can be heard every Sunday at 3.02 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on Las Vegas. Vegas's very own Christian Talk radio stations, 1060 AM and 101.5 FM. Also, we are audio and video streamed in real time during our live broadcast at www.kkvv.com and our website, www.savethelostlv.org. If you would like to re-listen to a previous broadcast at no charge, make an online secure donation, or learn more about our ministry, please visit our website at www.savethelostlv.org. 
If you prefer, you can mail in a donation. Address it to Save the Lost at All Cost, Inc., P.O. Box number 335852, North Las Vegas, 89033. Again, our P.O. Box number is... 335852 North Las Vegas 89033. All donations made to Save the Lost at All Cost Inc. are 100% tax deductible. For more information, please feel free to call or text us at 702-219-6882. Again, 702-219-6882. We would like to thank you again. Remember to remain in Christ, stay prayed up, tune in, And don't forget to save the lost at all costs, no matter what.